They are the independent audit watchdog who are responsible for overseeing the audits of public companies and SEC registered brokers and dealers. I'm talking about the PCAOB. Their inspections and associated inspection reports bring angst to audit engagement teams everywhere, and they should, because those inspection reports, which are public knowledge, lay bare for the world to see the shortcomings of their audits. And I love reviewing them. Perhaps it's a bit of schaffenfreude, but I truly believe it is a worthwhile exercise to review them so I can help others from making the same mistakes. I'm a giver, what can I say? In this episode of Gap Chats, we talk about our insights from our review of the 2021 PCOB inspection reports for the annually inspected firms. Welcome to Gap Chats, the podcast dedicated to all things accounting, brought to you by Gap Dynamics. I'm your host, Mike Walworth, and with me as always is my faithful partner, Chris Brundrett. We hope you'll join us on our journey today as we share our passion for accounting and help change the way you train. What's with the evil laugh? Oh, I know. You're reading SEC enforcement actions again. Close. Uh, PCAOB inspection reports. Why are you doing that? Well, I realized that a few people downloaded our PCAOB ebook from our website last month, and unfortunately, it is woefully out of date. And I felt really, really bad, so I decided to update it. How out of date was it? Well, the most recent edition was released in 2019, so not too bad. But because of delays in the release of certain firms' inspection reports, the data in the book was based on 2017 inspection reports. Whoa, that's pretty stale. I'm glad you're updating it. So when will this revised ebook be released? Yeah, uh, we're looking for something like uh, mid-April, and I am glad we're updating it too. And luckily, the PCAOB has helped us out by releasing the 2021 inspection reports for all the annually inspected firms all at once in November 2022. These inspections covered audits of issuers with fiscal years generally ending in 2020. I'll put a link to the page on the PCAOB site where you can find all the firm's inspection reports. So for those of you in the audience who may not know, the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, or PCAOB, inspects registered audit firms to assess each firm's compliance with PCAOB standards and rules, as well as other applicable regulatory and professional requirements. Yeah, in general, the PCAOB inspects each firm either annually or triannually, and that triennially, once every three years, depending on how many issuers they audit. If a firm provides audit opinions for more than 100 issuers, the PCOB inspects them annually. If a firm provides audit opinions for 100 or fewer issuers, the PCOB in general inspects them at least triennially. Well, Mike, thank you for that definition of triennially, right? But I know, I know in our training materials, we only look at the inspection reports for the annually inspected firms. Obviously, the big four will make the list, but what other firms does the PCOB inspect annually? Well, besides the big four, and just for our listeners, the big four, Deloitte, PwC, EY, and KPMG. So besides those, for the 2021 inspection cycle, that's the one we're looking at, the other annually inspected firms were RSM, BDO, Grant Thornton, Crow, Moss Adams, Markham, Witham Smith plus Brown, and Cohen and Company. Wow, that's quite a few firms. Definitely some new additions, uh, if I recall, since our last ebook. 
Yep, uh, Cohen and Company actually joined the party in 2017, but since then, the PCOB has added Moss Adams in 2019 and Witham Smith plus Brown just this year in 2021. Any idea if it, this list is going to be the same next year? Are we going to have additions again? Well, you know, those it, it depends really on on the number of issuers, right? I mean, if the, as the issuers drop down, they may not be annually inspected anymore, and if they get more issuers, then you know they are. But according to the PCOB website. For the 2022 inspection cycle, uh, they're adding two more, uh, Baker Tilly Virchow Krauss and B.F. Borgers CPA. Uh, those two are going to join the party next year. All right. Now, very familiar with Baker Tilly Virchow Krauss, um, and they've been kind of getting larger over the years. Um, but uh, B.F. Borgers, I've never heard of them. Well, neither have I. So I did a little research. Okay. B.F. Borgers CPA PC is based in Lakewood, Colorado and is registered as a PCAOB-listed firm. And this is from their website. BF Borgers currently performs 10K audits and 10Q quarterly reviews according to PCAOB standards for over 80 publicly traded companies around the world. These companies range from startup and development stage to successful mid-market companies. And check out this headline, Chris, from March 25th, 2022. It was an Accounting Today article. BF Borgers... Borgers, Borgers, dominates 2021 SEC client rankings. Reading that article, it states that firm added 39 new SEC clients during 2021, more than any other firm. All right, Mike, first of all, I've heard you saying Borgers and Borgers. I'm going to go with Borgers, like burger, right? It's not a burger, right? Uh, But who knows? Who knows, right? Because we we really aren't familiar with them. They're kind of a, a, a newcomer. But I mean, that's pretty impressive, you know, this growth. Uh, you know, how big are they at this point? Well, you know, we use a um, – uh, there's a there's a company out there, Inside Public Accounting. Mm-hmm. And Inside Public Accounting, um, they list an annual list of like the top firms, largest firms in the United States. They used to do like the top 100, top 200. Now they're up to the top 500. But what's interesting is this BF Borgers doesn't even show up in the top 500 largest U.S.-based accounting firms. All right. Now, that's strange because if you look at that list of top 500, when you get to the, you know, towards the you know upper 400s, these are pretty small firms at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So I find it kind of strange that this, this entity is auditing 80 plus issuers. These are SEC registrants and they're not even in the top 500s. So, I mean, what else did you find out about them? Well, I looked them up on their link on LinkedIn and their LinkedIn company page lists the company size at two to 10 employees. You mean our company Gap Dynamics, which I find pretty small, (laughs) is actually larger than a firm that audits over 100 issuers. Yeah. And the firm's website shows only one managing partner and one audit director. That's it. Oh, and here's an interesting tidbit. The audit director must be fairly new. Because the old one has been barred by the PCAOB for being from being associated with a registered public accounting firm. Wait, what? Yeah, here here's the headline from the PCAOB press release dated May twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two. PCAOB sanctions former BF Borgers audit director for violating PCAOB rules and standards in four audits of three public companies. Oh boy, so. 
What's your prediction then for the results of their 2022 PCOB inspection report, considering the new audit director came in, you know, about midway through 2022? And they're, and they're, and they're auditing 100 clients with only two people. Uh, I don't know, Chris. What did Clubber Lang predict in Rocky Three? Pain. Yeah. I would like to be a fly on the wall during that inspection. Let's say that. Well, enough about them. Um, what other interesting stuff do you have for us based on your review of the 2021 PCOB inspection reports for annually inspected firms? Well, before we dive into our insights, let's first do a bit of a level set. Uh, within the reports, the inspection observations are divided into two parts, part one and part two. What's the difference? Well, part one is all about inspection observations related to deficiencies noted during the inspection, and this part of the report is also divided into two parts. Part 1A, these are deficiencies that were of such significance that we believe the firm, at the time it had issued its report, now this is the PCOB, not we, Gap Dynamics, uh, at the time that it issued its audit reports, had not obtained sufficient appropriate audit evidence to support its opinions on the issuer's financial statements and or ICFR. Part 1B are deficiencies that do not relate directly to the sufficiency or appropriateness of evidence the firm obtained to support its opinions, but nevertheless relate to instances of non-compliance with PCOB standards or rules. Part two, these are observations related to quality control, so criticism of or potential defects in the firm's system of quality control. Part two deficiencies are not publicly disclosed when the report is first issued. Now, what's interesting is they give the firm uh, like 12 months to to correct it and, and, and mitigate that. And if they do, then it sort of never sees the light of day. If they don't, then if they're um, out for more than 12 months, then they actually then make them public. All right. So, but we focus on the part 1A deficiencies, right? Yeah, that's right. Mainly because the deficiencies noted in part 1B are mostly procedural in nature. Uh, This is things like communication with audit committees, management representation letters, and the like. But the big reason is that the PCOB doesn't summarize and report them like they do the part 1A deficiencies. And as for the part 2 deficiencies related to quality control, The PCAOB only makes them public, as I said, if the firm fails to rectify them within a year, so most never, ever see the light of day. So much CPE, so little time. With over 100 unique e-learning courses and even more hours of CPE available, GapDynamics learning platform, The Revolution, has you covered. Do you want CPE-eligible customized training for your team with live in-person instruction or live webinars? That's cool, too. You can visit our website, gapdynamics.com. That's GAP with two A's to learn more today. Looking for our full catalog of e-learning courses? Check out revolution.gapdynamics.com and get ready to change the way you train. Got it. All right, let's get into insights. What you got? Well, first, the overall deficiency rate for the annually inspected firms was 26%. This means that a quarter of all the audits inspected had deficiencies that were of such significance that the PCOB believed the firm had not obtained sufficient appropriate audit evidence to support its opinion, either on the financial statements or on internal controls over financial reporting. That sounds bad, but based on my recollection, the audit deficiency rate actually used to be somewhere in the mid-40s. You're right. You know, back in, we've been looking at these things now going on 10 plus years, but back in 2012 and 2013, the uh, combined audit deficiency rate for the annually inspected firms was 42%. 
and it declined to a low of 20% in 2020, but then this year it spiked up again to that 26% we said. All right. So is there a big disparity of deficiency rates among the firms uh, that are being inspected? And let's be general this time. Uh, you know, Normally, we don't name names. We, we picked on one firm earlier. Um, that was just a very interesting case that we wanted to talk about because of the disparity in size versus issuers. So but let's let's keep it general this time. We do want these firms to be our clients, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, I got it. Uh, well, the average deficiency rate of the big four firms was 16%, while the average deficiency rate for the non-big four firms or those other firms was 39%. That is quite a gap. I thought the gap between these two groups was actually narrowing. It was. Back in 2012, the gap was large. But then it narrowed, narrowed, narrowed until 2017 and 2018. Really, the gap was gone. I mean, I think in 2017, the non-big four firms actually had a slightly better deficiency rate than the big four firms. However, the gap between the deficiency rates of the big four and these other firms has been growing since 2018. What's causing that gap then? Math. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Well, let's take it. Let's let's sort of look at how we do these averages. The 16% average deficiency rate of the big four firms is helped considerably by the fact that one of these firms, PwC, had a deficiency rate of only 4%. Hey, I said no names. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. But I do have to call out excellence. Okay, fair enough. That is an exceptionally low deficiency rate. Yeah, Deloitte's was that low in 2020. And during 2020, PwC actually had a 2% rate. You get where I'm going. Two of the big four firms had exceptionally low deficiency rates over the past couple of inspection cycles. All right. So what about the other firms? Well, again, it's kind of a math problem. Of the other eight firms, I think we said there was 12 firms we were looking at. Of the other eight, three of them had audit deficiency rates above 50%, with one of them actually at 76%. Oh, wow. That's not good. Nope. And it brings down some of these other firms that are doing a really good job, like Cohen and Company, who over the past five inspection cycles have had deficiency rates of, get this, 11%, 0%, 0%, 0%, and 13%. Wow. That's really good. And again, mm-hmm. we normally, we weren't going to call out names, but I'll let you call out excellence once again. So, I mean, those rates are phenomenal, right? Any yeah. idea what's causing the high deficiency rates with the other three firms? Well, you know, I'm sure it's a number of things and we'll get into them more in in the PCOB ebook and in our various blog posts, you know, coming up in the next couple of, of months. But if I had to put one word to the problem, I'd say that word would be SPACs, at least for two of the firms with the highest efficiency rates. Wait, what? That's one of my favorite topics. I know. And you couldn't stop talking about it over the past couple of years. You drone on and on and on. Uh, okay. And... Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> All but right. It will be interesting to, to, you know, I will say one thing about SPACs. Right? <laughs> I knew you couldn't I stop. I had to get it in here, right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the SPAC market has really slowed down, right? Compared to what it was, you know, over the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting if that changes some of these deficiency rates just by nature of the market changing. Yeah, it could be. So anyway, I pulled this paragraph out from one of those firms, the one with the high deficiency rates, uh, their 2021 inspection report. So here it goes. This is what the PCOB said. 15 of the 25 audits we reviewed in 2021 are included in part 1A of this report due to the significance of the deficiencies identified. The identified deficiencies primarily related to the firm's testing of controls over and or substantive testing of equity 
and equity-related transactions, and revenue and related accounts. The firm significantly increased its number of issuer audits in the past two years by accepting a large number of Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, or SPACs. During the year under inspection, the firm audited 463 SPACs, or issuers, that were formed by mergers between non-public operating companies and SPACs, so-called DSPACs. And many of these issuers restated their financial statements to correct misstatements related to warrants and or certain redeemable shares. Ten of the 25 audits we reviewed in 2021 were SPACs or DSPACs, and all of these audits are included in Part 1A, meaning they had deficiencies. Well, I guess the big four then was right to stay away from auditing SPACs. What else do you have? Well, of the 380 audits inspected, okay, that's all the annually inspected firms. They looked at 380 audits out of all 12 of those firms. 98 of them, 98 of the audits, had at least one deficiency. That's the 26% audit deficiency rate. Take 98 divided by 380. However, of the 98 audits with deficiencies, 81 of those had multiple deficiencies, meaning if the audit engagement team screwed up, they usually screwed up multiple times. But on the plus side, of those 380 audits, there were no audits with an incorrect opinion on either the financial statements or internal controls over financial reporting. Okay, so the audits being done are fundamentally sound. That's comforting. So what are the biggest areas or what's the biggest area of deficiencies that, that you noted? Well, are you talking about you know deficiencies related to the PCOB auditing standards or deficiencies related to like audit areas? Well, both. Let's start with the audit auditing standards. Okay. Um, I'd imagine, if I had to guess, that AS2201 dealing with ICFR, internal controls over financial reporting, and integrated audits tops the list. And you'd be right. Based on all the deficiencies noted, so of all the deficiencies, 37% related to just this one standard. Okay, so ICFR, 37% uh, of those deficiencies. Well, what, a, what other standards well, are, are in, issues? Yeah, in order, they are, number two, AS2810, which is evaluating audit results. That had 15% of the deficiencies related to that. AS2301, the auditor's responses to the risks of material misstatement, that was 13%. Number four, AS1105, audit evidence, that was 13%. And rounding out the top five, AS2501, auditing accounting estimates, including fair value measurements, that was 8%. Interesting. Uh, we've seen a lot of focus over the last few years on auditing accounting estimates by the firms that we work with. So, you know, it's at least getting towards the bottom of the top five list. Mm -hmm. uh, what about uh, audit areas with the most efficiencies? I bet I can guess one of those areas, and that's got to be revenue. Oh, Chris, you're in fuego. Uh, the others are, and these aren't in order, right? Because they're... Uh, they have to have do some certain analysis, you know, for that. And uh, it'll right, be more right. in our PCOB ebook. But anyway, you got revenue, uh, you got business combinations, you got allowance for credit losses, you have inventory, and finally, equity and equity related transactions. Those are the biggies. All right. Well, the last one makes a lot of sense. And maybe even the first one, uh, especially given the SPAC issues that you noted earlier, because SPACs involve a lot of equity, equity-related transactions, and then ultimately a business combination, and they get kind of tricky. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll stop there because I, I could launch into a big discussion <laughs> about SPACs. Uh, but anyway, you know, so 
Interesting. Um, allowance for credit losses. We have a, a new standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, maybe that's part of it. Inventory. That's kind of surprising. So it'd be interesting, you know, if we get into the details in our ebook, what what might be going mm-hmm. on there. So, well, but enough with with that. I think we are running out of time. So all right. Well, let me just um, we'll on, save not, we'll save the good done. stuff for I'm not done oh, yet. Not done. A little bit, a little tiny bit more. Okay. I know I know we're right. running we'll out of time. Few more minutes, Mike. Okay. So let me just run for you. Uh, and this one, I'm, I'm doing this because I really want you to see hear this one. Uh, the most frequently identified deficiencies related to financial statement audits, because again, I think you're going to like them. They are in order of the number of deficiencies. Number one, did not sufficiently evaluate the appropriateness of the issuer's accounting method or disclosure for one or more transactions or accounts. Wait, that's a gap thing, not an auditing standard kind of thing. Yeah, baby, the gap is back. And so, you know, I mean, we're getting old enough now, Chris, where we see this thing cycling through. Right. First of all, gap was important, then it gets to audit, and now the gap is back. But Right, right. Can, so much focus on controls, but this is really, uh, you know, accounting methods. That's a application of gap. Interesting. Yeah, things like not understanding the, the, the five-step model within ASE 606, right? I mean, things right. like that. So anyway, uh, obviously the SPAC issue too. They didn't understand whether or not this thing should be equity or these warrants should be equity or, or liability classified. Mm-hmm. So anyway, more on, more on that in the ebook. Rounding out the top five. Number two, did not sufficiently evaluate significant assumptions that the issuer used in developing an estimate. Number three, did not perform sufficient testing of data or reports used in the firm's substantive testing. Number four, did not obtain sufficient evidence as a result of over-reliance on controls due to deficiencies in testing controls. And finally, number five, did not perform sufficient testing related to an account or a significant portion of an account to address an identified risk. You want to hear about the deficiencies noted related to the audits of ICAVR? Mike, as much as I would love to, I think not today. I gave you a few more minutes. I think we've already used them up. So uh, we also need to save something for the ebook or at least some blogs. I'll take us out. All right. All right. So that's all for this episode of Gap Chats, your source for all things accounting. Notes and resources from today's episode are linked in the description. And always, you can find us online at gapdynamics.com and at gapdynamics across social media. It's never too late to become a Gapologist. Head over to our website and subscribe to our blog so that you are the first to know what's new with Gap Dynamics.